We are closing off our sermon series, The Heroes of Faith. We are in a culture that is obsessed with superheroes. They're everywhere. You go to a theme park, and they have now whole sections of theme parks just based on superheroes. We, you know, we see them on lunch boxes, and they're no longer just for kids. You know, adults love superheroes. From the oldest to the youngest, uh, everybody uh, is familiar with the superhero. You might have a favorite superhero. I know uh, Batman and Spider-Man were tops in our house. The kids were smaller. But there's a, something about it, a superhero. We know that it's a multi-billion dollar industry. I was reading that uh, Marvel, the Marvel Universe uh, has made over $28 billion dollars since the first Iron Man back in 08. And then there's the DC universe, and then there's the Star Wars universe, and you name it, now it's all multiverse, right? I think the fascination with superheroes is that uh, they're entertaining. They are. You forget about reality for a little while. You, you see the hero have some kind of adversity, and he overcomes, and everyone's happy at the end of the movie, and then they kind of segue, and they tease into what might be the next movie. You know, it's nostalgic, reminds us of our childhood. Comics have been around since 30s, 40s, and, and it's uh, nostalgic to see your favorite action hero. All of a sudden now, he's on, up on the movie screen. But I think uh, what really attracts us to superheroes is that they have superpowers. They're not average. They, they have these magnificent gifts and these talents, and they use these talents and these gifts uh, to actually what protect the average individual. And, and I think sometimes we can feel like maybe we're limited. We can feel like maybe in times of our lives, like we're powerless. And if only I had a superhero power, if only I had the ability to, you know, walk through walls or, you know, summon lightning and thunder, you know, we, we feel like uh, what we are sometimes just quite isn't enough. We say, you know, I'm, I'm only one person. What difference can I make? And so on and so forth. You know, we as a church understand that that's all fantasy superheroes, we have a real superhero. His name is Jesus. We have a real God who is all-powerful and almighty, and, and there's nothing impossible for him. He's a mighty warrior. He's a loving God, a gentle God. He's a faithful God. He's a God who's always on time. And whenever we're in need, the Bible says he is a faithful help in that time of need. He's our friend. He's our comforter. He's our father. He's our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And Jesus, he also is a hero maker. And that's what I've entitled my sermon tonight is Jesus, the hero maker. This past month, we've looked at different individuals and we've studied how their faith uh, in time of crisis or in time of challenge or time of testing, how their faith has gotten them through difficult times or trying times or times of testing. And we know that living a life of faith uh, can be challenging at times. It's challenging at times to walk by faith and not by sight. We know that circumstances and situations will, will put our faith to the test. And when we walk sometimes, we might not be certain or sure 
but we are certain and sure in God who carries us and walks us through whatever it is that we might be going through. See, sometimes we'll be faced with the temptation to give up, the temptation to throw in the towel or take the easy route, and we got to remind ourselves each and every day to not give up, to not give up, to not give up. We, we are still here on this earth, and one day we have the hope of glory to be in the presence of God for eternity, but until then, we can't give up. We, each and every one of us here have come too far, too far to give up. God's done too much in our lives uh, to give up, and even if you just started coming, and even if you just started walking with God, he's already brought you a far, far distance. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus, he's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Messiah. He's our King. But Jesus, he is also our example. We know that Jesus, he was fully God and he was fully man. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that that same word uh, became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we know that as a man, Jesus, he experienced uh, fatigue. He experienced grief. He experienced temptation. He experienced these things that you and I experience, uh, but he never sinned. He was perfect. carried out his mission faithfully that God had given him, and he walked in faith, and he set a model for his disciples, and he set a model and exemplified faith for, for you and I. When he wrestled with the enemy in the wilderness, it was his faith in the scriptures and the authority of God that he used to rebuke the enemy. When he healed the sick or cast out devils or performed miracles, uh, he was moving in faith. Remember, we're talking about heroes of faith this month, our faith. But one thing that each and every one of us has to understand is that his faith stemmed from his relationship with the Father. Jesus uh, was always talking about the Father. He was always uh, spending time alone with the Father. Early in the morning, he would get up and he would go to a mountain alone and he would seek God. He would seek the face of God, seek the heart of God. He was in constant communication with the Father. It's because everything starts with the Father. Jesus was always talking about his relationship with, with God the Father. Yet he was sent by the Father that he carried out the will of the Father, that he did what the Father did, and that all that was the Father's was also his. And he was constantly in prayer, talking with the Father. And I think that if we are going to have success in Christianity, if we're going to have success as born-again believers, uh, as a church, as a fellowship, as a congregation, uh, then we need to be in constant communication with the Father. 
We need to be in prayer with the Father. You know, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but this Friday we have Prayer Central. and It's not a commercial for Prayer Central, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. Uh, this Friday, uh, 7 p.m., we have an opportunity. We have a platform that's laid that we can come in and, and seek the mind of God and get a hold of God. Each and every one of us here has a need. Each and every one of us has, here has a family member that might not be serving Christ. And each and every one of us here has been given the opportunity to come into the presence of God and petition God and say, God, have mercy on my loved one. God, open this door. God, make a way. God, bring healing. See, it's in prayer that we find the heart and the mind of God. It's in prayer that we find strength and endurance. I know when my wife was going through her her treatments when she was sick, I would hear her at night praying. She was uh, being strengthened by God. She was seeking the heart and the mind of God, and God was uh, just ministering to her. It's in prayer that we find wisdom and direction and understanding, and it's in prayer that we find strategy. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we're wondering, God, what is it that I to, am I to do, God? And the strategy, God begins to download into your life direction he begins to give you we find that our faith is strengthened and it's increased in prayer that god gives us revelation through prayer and that revelation that he gives us it in turn allows us to minister to others it in turn allows us to encourage others it in turn allows us to help others who might be going through something similar to what you might have been going through the book of John, chapter 17, verse 8 and 11, he says, For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Jesus, he's praying to the Father at the, right here. And he says, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are united. Jesus, at this point, he was recognizing that his time here on earth was limited. That uh, soon he would be going to a cross, and soon he would be dying on that cross. And after his resurrection, he would have a small window to, to minister to his disciples before he would uh, ascend back into heaven. And what Jesus was saying here is that what was given to him by the Father, he was now passing on to his disciples. Life, it, it, it goes by so quick, right? This past weekend, my daughter and my son-in-law, they, they were out of town, so they left their kids with us. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, way into Monday night. And it's been a while since my wife and I have had little kids in the house, man. We were just like, we need a vacation. But I was, it was fun, though. Don't get me wrong. I, I love those little boys, and it was so fun to have them in the house. But you know what? I was looking at them, and it reminded me of when my kids were small, when my kids were little, because it, it wasn't that long ago, it seems like. And now, praise God, I get to see a new chapter in my children's lives where now 
you know, one's married with her, with her family, and one is in school, and the other one is, is uh, now working, and, and now they're adults. And I also see that what's a blessing is that, you know, we, we're born, we're, we develop, we grow, and we learn from others, right? We're, we're nurtured, and we're, we're, we're taught and we come to a place in our lives that all of a sudden now what's been taught to us and what's been imparted into our lives, we now are doing the same in other people's lives. I, I see my daughter and, and her friend and, and some of the young adults, and now they're working with the teenagers, and I'm thinking it wasn't that long ago that they were teenagers themselves. And that's what discipleship is. It's passing of one's knowledge and skill. But discipleship also is the passing of one's heart, one's passion. A couple of uh, Mondays ago, there was a woman's event here. And uh, my wife came and I was asking her, how was the event? Uh, you know, after discipleship, she'll ask me, how was the discipleship? What did Pastor Richard talk to you guys about? Right? So I say, what was the, the event about? She said it was about worship. That, uh, Sister Yoveta was, was giving a, a, a talk about worship and how uh, she loves to worship, and that's her gift to worship, and that, uh, but that um, she was taught how to worship by her mother, Sister Betty. Right? Sister Betty, what she passed on to Sister Luan and, and Sister Yoveta was uh, how to worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, how to use the voice that God has given you. And you know what I see uh, Luan and Yoveta do? Is they pass it on. They, they work with the teenagers, the, the young ladies, uh, and they teach them how to use the voice that God has given them and how to worship God. And, and that's discipleship. And, and I tell you what, they work with them, and they don't pull punches. Do it again. Do it again. That's what I hear sometimes. Uh-uh. You're not singing from here. Do it again. And they look over at Sister Luan like for help, and she was like, I don't, you're on your own. Man. Those sisters are hero makers. They're hero makers. They're making heroes. We have a congregation that is full of hero makers. We have... Our pastor and his wife, they're hero makers. Yes. And I, and I say this, that many of us here today, if it had not been for what God has done in their lives, we wouldn't be the men and women that we are today. Because what they received and what was given to them, they're now imparting into others and into others and into others, generation after generation after generation. And we have a whole sanctuary here filled with hero makers uh, that what has been given to you, what has been entrusted in you, I see it, you're now giving it to someone else. That's what we've been called to do is to pass it on, to pass it on. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. 
Paul, he's talking to Timothy, his spiritual son, and he's saying what was deposited into your life, what was given to you by me to you, I want you to do the same. Find people, find trustworthy individuals, find hungry people, find people that are willing and pass it on to them. Make a hero out of them. What are we to pass on? Well, we pass on our faith. Faith is contagious. You ever been around someone who's full of faith and you yourself walk away thinking the impossible is possible? And we need to model that faith, uh, and especially to our, our children. By the words that we speak, you know, when you find yourself, uh, maybe uh, there's a need in the house, and what do you hear yourself saying? What are your children hearing, your, hearing you say? Well, I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm going to have to sell the cow. cow. Nobody here farms, but you know what I mean. You got this doubt. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a lack of faith, and they pick up on that. And so when a testing comes in their life, uh, they're not running to God. They're running to something else because uh, mom and dad didn't. We got to exemplify faith. I don't know how we're going to do it, but God's going to make a way. I don't know how that need is going to get met, but God has been faithful, and God's going to make a way. You know what, family? We need to pray. We need to pray right now. God, open the door. That's faith. It's faith in action. We also pass on our knowledge and our wisdom. We need to teach others what we know, what we've learned, what we've acquired over the decades. Uh, I um, had a coworker, and he, he, after 40 years, retired. And I remember when he announced his retirement, he, he gave me like two years notice. And I went to my boss and I said, he's going to retire. And if he goes and there's nobody there to, to uh, learn from him, all his secrets are going with him. I said, can we hire someone, someone to just uh, um, shadow him and, and, and learn from him and, and just pick his brain all day? And somewhere along the line, it fell on a deaf ear because he left. And now I'm trying to figure out what was it that he was doing, man. <laughs> all that knowledge and all that wisdom and all that understanding, uh, it's gone. And, and, and we can't be like that. We can't leave the next generation wondering, what, what was it that they were doing? Uh, how were they doing this? What was going on? Physically and spiritually, our ushers learn from one another, right? Our media team, they learn from one another. And we need to pass on those things that we have learned. We also pass on our heart and our vision, or your passion. And passion and that and vision is passed on through prayer, through, by praying for the individual, by praying that the vision would be caught, by praying that uh, our eyes would be opened and that God would reveal to us his will. And it's also passed on through exampleship, by exemplifying a genuine passion for what you're involved in, a passion for the things of God, a passion for your ministry, a passion to minister, a passion to pray, a passion to speak about the goodness of God. In the book of Luke 11:14, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, 
one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. This disciple figured it out. He obviously had been with Jesus, experienced the, the miracles, experienced seeing Jesus cast out demons, experienced Jesus having raised the dead, experienced Jesus having provided for thousands with very few to no resources. He experienced the boldness that Jesus had, the anointing that was over Jesus, and, and, and the disciple didn't say, Lord, teach me to be anointed, or Lord, teach me to be bold, or Lord, teach me to cast out demons, or Lord, teach me. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. He understood uh, that the anointing came from, through prayer, that the boldness came through prayer, that the ability to uh, have the authority over the demonic came through prayer. Jesus was passionate uh, about prayer, passionate about praying to the Father, and the disciple caught it, and he says, I want that. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to talk to the Father the way you do. Greatest passion that we can pass on to the next generation is, is a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel message that changes lives. It changed my lives. It changed your lives. The gospel of a resurrected Savior that defeated hell and that defeated sin. The gospel of Jesus, our hero maker. God has done so much in each and every one of our lives. We were singing about it just a few moments ago, about all that God has done within our lives. We have testimonies here for days of all that God has accomplished in our lives, our minds being renewed, our families being restored, our health being made whole. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, For everyone... From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. See, church, we cannot hold back what God has given to us. We cannot hold back those blessings that God has given to us. We need to be a church that is fruitful. Genesis chapter 12 Verses 2 and 3. It says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This is when uh, God was speaking to Abraham. We covered that at the beginning of this sermon series. He says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Underline this, he says, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. If you go to Isaiah 49, verse 3, he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. See, God's calling and blessing uh, upon uh, Israel wasn't just for the sake of Israel, but it was for the benefit uh, of the world. It was through Israel that God was going to raise up the Messiah. It was through Israel that uh, the Gentiles would be able to experience salvation. God loves his people. God loves his people. And I tell you what, uh, it's through now the church of Jesus Christ. 
that there's an expectancy that God would use us uh, to reach the world, to reach our communities, to reach others. We are blessed, and we've been made blessed so that we can be a blessing to others, so that others can come and experience the goodness of God for themselves as well. In John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I love uh, fruit trees. If I can have a whole uh, uh, orchard in my backyard, I would. I have different trees, um, oranges and lemons. and Fruit didn't come right away, though. There was some work that I had to do, and there was some maintenance that I had to do on the trees in order for the trees to produce fruit. But one of the trees that I planted required almost no work. I mean, this tree was born to produce, and that was this fig tree that we had in the backyard. Planted this fig tree, and almost instantly, this fig tree was producing figs. And it got to the point where this fig tree was about maybe 10, 15 feet tall, and it was just out of control. Leaves were going in, or branches were going into the neighbor's yard, and, and we couldn't pick the, the figs um, quickly enough. And so the beetles would come, and they would eat the figs and leave a, just a big mess. And then we were starting to uh, get fruit rats because they were coming and eating. And so I said, you know what, I got I to gotta, I gotta chop this tree down. Someone said, oh. <laughs> so 2020, I said, you know what, um, Sorry, fig tree, but you got to go. And I chopped this tree down to the bare stump. And the only reason I didn't take the stump out is because I was tired. There's a picture right there. Okay, you can see the stump. But this fig tree, you know, um, taught me a thing or two. Because this fig tree came back. And if you go to the next picture, that's the fig tree now. So it's like, I'll show you something. And the fig tree is still producing fruit. I'm not chopping this tree down. I learned my lesson, okay? I'll just trim it up. But this fig tree uh, it, it has been um, producing fruit. And, and, and I was looking at this tree, and I was thinking, you know, that tree is a reminder to each and every one of us that when it seems like all is gone and all is lost and there is no hope, Man, we serve the God of impossibilities, the God that is still able to put that tree back, the God that is still able to produce fruit out of a stump. And I think about our church and our congregation and our fellowship. I am so blessed to be a part of this church. I am so blessed to be a part of this congregation because the enemy tried to throw his best shot, but we're still producing fruit, man. We are still in the will of God. God is still using this church, uh, still opening doors, uh, and who knows what God has in store for this congregation, for this fellowship. We can't, that, that's, that's, that stump is a rebuke to me, I tell you that, because every time I look at it, it's like, come on. Jesus himself, he had an encounter with the fig, with the fig tree, with the barren fig tree. The book of Mark 11, 12 to 14, says the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry and he noticed the fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. 
but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then, the, then Jesus said to this tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples, they heard him say that. In verse 20, it says, the next morning, uh, as they passed by the fig tree he, that he had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. And Peter remembered uh, what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day. And he exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Now, this story is much deeper than that uh, Jesus was angry because he wanted a piece of fruit and there was none to offer. It's, it's more than that. What this story highlights is what was taking place in Israel. Because if uh, you read that story, it's also at the same time where Jesus uh, was going into the temple of God and he realizes that uh, it had been turned into a swap meet. And so upset and, and angered, he, he sees everything that is going on. And he begins to overturn the, the money table, uh, the money changers' tables. And he says, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. And what was going on at this time was that the religious leaders, they had forgotten what the temple was there for. They had forgotten that this was a place to go meet God. This was a place where you could offer not just a, a, a physical sacrifice, but you can offer the sacrifice of praise. It was a place to experience the joy and the freedom of the Lord. And it was a place where one could go and find the presence of God. And this temple had forgotten, the religious leaders there had forgotten that. And this fig tree was beautiful because it had all of these leaves on, that, on it, but it had no fruit. It forgot what its purpose was for. It forgot why it was put on the earth and planted for. And that was to produce fruit so that others could be blessed. It had its leaves, but it didn't have those nodules because even if the fruit isn't ready, when you see those nodules, when you see those little bumps, then you realize this tree is going to be fruitful. This tree is going to produce. And that's what I saw in the fig tree that I chopped down is that uh, the branches grew back, the leaves came back, and I started to see the nodules. I started to see these little bumps, and I says, Espy, this tree is going to give us more figs. This tree in my backyard, has not forgotten its purpose, and we cannot forget our purpose. Our purpose uh, is to reach the lost. Our purpose uh, is to go and see souls get saved. Our purpose is to honor and glorify God, not just to have beautiful leaves. This has nothing to do with the sermon, but SB, my wife says that the fig leaf is what Adam and Eve used. As uh, the worship team comes up, there is a, another story about a fig tree in the Bible. The book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 and 9. It says, then Jesus told this story. He said, a man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taken up space in the garden. 
And the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Thank God for one more chance. He says, leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. And I think there's times in our lives where we might feel a little fruitless. I think there's times in our lives where we might look and say, God, what have I accomplished for you? Or we might feel like, Lord, what have I done for your name's sake? And we begin to feel down or we begin to feel discouraged and we begin to feel like, like man, I've, I've wasted some time. The beauty of this story is that it was given one more chance. It was given one more chance. And that special attention was going to be given to this fig tree. We serve the God of many chances, of many chances. And when the Spirit of God speaks to us and deals with us and says, there's still so much more I have from you, it's our responsibility then to say, okay, God, what is it? What is it that you want from me, God? Because we will never, ever be satisfied and content outside of the will of God as a born-again believer. We can be blessed. We can be fruitful. We can be prosperous. But if we're not in the will of God, we're not settled. If we're not in the will of God, there's a restlessness that takes place. And when we find ourselves in that situation or in that circumstance, it's, it's getting back. It's getting back into the basics. It's getting back to God, my first love. I've forgotten you. I'm repenting. And I'm coming back to you, O oh Lord. We can't forget what our call is and what our mission is. And why God has invested so much into each and every one of us. We live in times, I was talking to Brother Juan, and he was telling me that, he says, Manny, they've been saying we've been in the end days since 2,000 years ago. We might be in the last seconds, the last minutes. And God wills that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. All would come to taste of the goodness of God. And he uses you and I. He uses imperfect people to, to minister a perfect message of a perfect God. That he so loved the world that gave his only begotten son and that when whoever would believe in him, the Bible says, will not perish but have everlasting life. That heaven is promised to the one who puts his faith and trust in God. And there's that blessing that comes upon an individual when you have that part to play in reaching someone else, when you see the fruit of your labors, the fruit of your prayers, by people getting saved, by people coming to know Jesus, that's a reward in and of itself. I like what Stan Lee said, and I'll close with this. Stan Lee was uh, the creator of Spider-Man as well as other comic uh, heroes. And he said, that person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do is indeed without a doubt a real superhero church we've been speaking about the heroes of faith this past month you guys are the heroes of faith
because in spite of whatever you have gone through, in spite of whatever the enemy has unleashed, uh, you're still serving God. You're still pushing through. You're still fighting on. That's the God that we serve. God that makes heroes out of just ordinary individuals that said, yes, Lord, here I am. God, use me. Send me. Here I am. Tonight, church, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in reverence to God tonight,